can take our Bibles, go in our Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. club on Wednesday night we practice a song every month and that was our song for this past month the gratitude attitude some people grumble because they don't have a lot and uh, your clothes are 10 years old whatever it might be and I love this the song practice and what I find I sat through it and I watched and, and sang with them for the last few Wednesdays and um and then I find myself singing because it's a catchy tune. Just catch the gratitude, attitude, gratitude. And you know what? It's not a kitty song. There's a bunch of people in here that need the gratitude, attitude. And uh, we need to recognize that um, these children's songs aren't necessarily children's songs. And, and Dad, uh, don't let these boys think that you're too cool or you're too old to sing these songs. All right? Uh, when we're singing, you sing. Let those young men know they need to they need to sing, and it's a good thing. And same with the ladies. And um, let's let's give praise to the Lord and give thanks. And uh, not just November, but let's give thanks always for all things. Well, today I have a very kind of an unusual message today, and uh, it has to do with stewardship. It's going to be this morning and tonight. It's going to be in both this morning and this evening, the subject of stewardship. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2 says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward. What is a steward? A steward is someone who handles someone else's affairs. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself as we'll fill in the blanks. If you have a bulletin, you can fill in some of the blanks in the outline today. But I want to talk about our stewardship. Now, if the Lord Jesus Christ is your master, if he is your owner, when I say owner, it's because he redeemed you. He purchased you with his own blood on the cross. And you are one of his children. You are a redeemed, born-again, Bible-believing Christian. You are saved on your way to heaven. Then you are his redeemed. You are bought with a price, the Bible says. And he would have us to be good stewards, to be stewards of, of what he's given us. So I want to point out, number one, as we talk about stewardship, uh, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. He is the creator. There's not anything that uh, is made that he didn't do the making. And so everything belongs to God. Number two, stewardship is the management of the affairs of another. I was just talking with someone today how that they are switching jobs and they're going to be in charge of being stewards of being managers of someone else's finances. It's not their money. They're just going to be in charge of making sure it stays all correct and paid bills and everything like that. They're going to manage it. They're going to take care of it. Uh, In some cases, a steward is more than just the bookkeeper, but they're also uh, the investor. They, They make sure that the affairs are increasing and improving. Probably one of the most uh, famous examples in the word of God concerning a steward would be Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 37 all the way to chapter 50. You read Genesis 37, 38, 39. Joseph was put in Potiphar's house and Potiphar gave him charge of all that was in the house. Everything that was to be taken care of, Joseph took care of it all on his own. And Potiphar increased and he was blessed because of Joseph's good stewardship. Now, number three, every Christian is God's steward. As I said earlier, if you're bought with a price, if you're born again, then you belong to him and we are to be his steward. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing? How are you doing with what he's given you to do? How are you doing with that body that you have? How are you doing with that time that you have? How are you doing with everything that you have that comes from him? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
Haggai 2 says, the silver is mine and the gold. Exodus 19 verse 5 says, all the earth is mine. Everything belongs to God. And not only that, but the stewardship, the management of the affairs of another. I'm not going to have you turn there, but Matthew 25 talks about how the, the steward was someone who would, was given the responsibility, in this case, five talents, another one, two talents, and they were given the responsibility of doing something with it. And the good stewards, they doubled it and made twice as much as it was before. And what did God say to that steward? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we are to be. Every Christian is a steward. And then number four, if you're filling in the blanks here in the bulletin, stewards must be faithful. You can't take uh, a vacation from being a good steward. That doesn't mean you can't go on a vacation, but you have to always make sure that you're a good steward of what your master's, what your master's investments are. So I want to talk today about our stewardship. See, God has given me certain things that are now my responsibility. I was privileged to be born into a home with a mother and a father. That's, that's not always the case today. Both mom and dad, same home. What a, what a blessing that is. Uh, and nowadays, almost a head start. I was blessed not only to be born in a home with a mother and father, but who very soon after my birth got plugged in to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his church. Wow, you talk about another blessing. Now my father had his focus on Christ. My mother had her focus on the things of God. And together they began to serve the Lord and take me to church and help me to grow and to mature and and to learn had the privilege, and it is a privilege, to have been, as far as I can remember, taken to church. Parents who respected the word of God, wanted to know what God would have them to do, follow it. And growing up in that atmosphere and knowing that and seeing that, and and so I know that there is a greater responsibility on my shoulders than might be on someone else's just because to whom much is given, much is required. But I'm going to tell you, no matter what your lot is or how you were raised or what, where you came into Christianity, if you're saved, the Bible has given you something to be faithful to as well. And he expects us to be faithful as stewards. Now, there are four areas of stewardship. There are four areas in which we can be good stewards. I'm going to give you all four of them, but I'm only going to talk about one of them today. Tonight, I'll talk about the others. The first area is time. Whether you know it or not, you've got time. The problem is, is that we allow our time to be taken. And we give our time to certain things. And sometimes that has to happen. We must give our time to certain things. But the truth is, everybody in here has the same 24 hours a day. We all do. And so what do we do with our time? I'm not going to talk anymore about that right now. Another T is talents. Not everybody in here has the same talents. Some of us might feel like we don't have any talent. You ever met somebody who seems to be filled with talent? And what do we do then with that talent? Another T is testimony. Testimony is your reputation, and if you're a Christian, then it's like you're a a walking billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ, our testimony. And we, if we're not careful, can allow it to be tainted and harmed and smudged and, and dirtied. And so those are the first three areas, and I'll talk about them tonight, and if we don't have time tonight, I'll talk about it again later. But the fourth T that I want to focus on today is our treasure. Our treasure, not necessarily the most important one, not necessarily the most important of the four T's, but probably the most visual of the four T's. And so the stewardship of our treasure. Let's talk about this today as we go through the word of God. Now, I don't think Billy Bob likes this subject, but I'm going to preach it anyway. The stewardship of our treasure 
The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. You know, if a, if a politician tells you that the government gave you the ability to get wealth, you can laugh at that politician. But when God says that he gave you the power to get wealth, he's absolutely correct. Even if you are wealthy, and I don't think there's many of us that are, but even if you are wealthy, you need to remember that ability and that blessing came from God. And even right now, if you don't think you're wealthy, you're more wealthy than a whole lot of people on planet Earth right now. We are wealthy people compared to the average human being on planet Earth. And it is God who gives us that power and that ability. So is it any wonder, and the verse is, is the praise, the part of the verse is in the top of the bulletin in Leviticus 2730. It's there every week under the tithes and offerings. It says all the tithe is the Lord. It is, it is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Is it any wonder why God would consider the tithe to be the Lord's? Well, because he is the one who gives us power to get wealth in the first place. See, what happens is, is governments start to get the idea that they're the ones that gave us the ability to accumulate. That's why they're the ones that have the right to tell us, you, you know where I'm going. We won't go any further than that. But who gives it to us? God. And even if I worked hard, God gave me the muscles to work hard with. God gave me a country to work hard in. And so I want to just look at this tea. It's not necessarily the most important tea, but we're going to look at it today and the others this evening. What is the tithe? What is that? Well, Genesis 14, the Bible tells us that Abraham gave tithes to someone named Melchizedek. But in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 7, it says that this Melchizedek was actually Jesus Christ. King of Salem, priest of the Most High God. You get the impression that it was God's priest. And if you read Hebrews, you know that that would be Christ himself. But also what you read in verse 2, it says that he gave the tenth. Instead of using the word tithe, it uses the word tenth. So now we get an understanding of what a tithe is. So whenever you read the word tithe in the word of God, it means 10%. Tenth. Now, who is to participate? Some people will tell you, well, the problem is, is that tithing is just for the Old Testament people, the people under the law of Moses. In the law of Moses, they were required to tithe. That's true. In the law of Moses, they were required to tithe. However, Abraham lived hundreds of years before Moses was ever born. So this is not an Old Testament law. This was a practice from a believer named Abraham who passed it on to his grandson Jacob who mentioned it as well, and on and on it went. And so when people try to argue, no, no, I don't have to tithe, that's Old Testament law. Listen, that isn't true. And God would have us to understand that something does belong to him. And so even in the New Testament, we see people who are participating in this very thing, and I'll show you that in a minute. Now, what is our motive? Our motive is not law. Our motive is not, as I... I I've been told by people in Mormon country, you know, over by Utah, that they kind of go around and knock on your door, you know, or contact you in some way and say, you know, we, we don't see your tithe. Jim Dole used to work for the post office, and he told me that the Mormon church would send out mailings of reminders and envelopes to collect the tithe from all their Mormon church members. And he said there'd be a slew of mail going out. We don't do that. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ is what constrains me. Yes, I do believe it belongs to God. No, I don't believe he wants us to give it forced. Yes, I do think God wants it. No, I don't think he wants us to force it upon people. So 
Our motive is the love of Christ. Now, where do we bring it then? You know, there is no post office address for heaven. So where do we bring it? Well, in the Old Testament, they had a place that they would bring it. Let me show you in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse in the Old Testament was the tabernacle or the temple. And so bringing all the tithes into the storehouse was the way they would do it. And so all of the people would bring their tithes to the tabernacle, to the temple, and that was God's storehouse. That was God's treasury. In the New Testament, we still have a temple, but it's not a physical temple. That temple was destroyed, that physical temple. But rather, there's a spiritual temple. And so it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 35, for instance, it says, And they brought the offering and laid them down at the apostles' feet. The apostles being the leaders of the church. It says in verse 37 of Acts chapter 4, And they brought, they sold land, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, They laid it at the apostles' feet. So you see then what they were doing with the New Testament. In the New Testament, they recognized the same storehouse concept, just a different location. So where do we bring it? We bring it to our local church. I brought with me an object lesson. I don't usually do this for adults, but I'm going to do it today. I got my potatoes. I did not buy them at Menards. It's just that Menards have the best bags. Amen. And so I brought my potatoes with me today, and I'm putting them out here. I've got, I think, I'm not a great mathematician, so you help me out here, but I think I've got 10 potatoes. In the Old Testament, they were asked to bring their tithes, whether it was money, whether it was fruits and vegetables, whatever their increase was, whatever their income was, they were asked to bring it, and so they did. And so if I have 10 potatoes here, guess which one belongs to who? God. Just like in the Old Testament, they had a storehouse called the Tabernacle of the Temple. The New Testament, we have something called the storehouse as well. It is the local church. Ah, see why people don't like the local church concept? Because now there's a place to bring your tithes. Regardless, there is a local church. In fact, Jesus sat in the temple and watched offerings. Jesus sat one time and watched offerings taking place. Don't tell me God's not interested in offerings. Jesus, and what did Jesus say concerning the offerings? There were people pouring in lots into the offerings, but it was really just their leftovers. One lady brought in, and he, he paid attention. He noticed it. So as a believer in the New Testament, by way of illustration, I have 10. I know where one of them goes. One of them goes over here. Now, I know there's probably some smart elk in here who's going to drop some carrots in next week into the offering plate. And, and if Mr. Spear does that, you let him. This is just an illustration. Try to explain that to him this afternoon if you could. (laughs) But the point is, is that my income is something that's a gift from God. My ability to earn an income is a gift from God. And by way of illustration, I use potatoes to show that God expects, but does not force through any human means anyway, And then some people have the audacity to think that God's being mean. I still got nine. He's still allowing me to do whatever I want with these nine. He just wants me to do something with this one. And you know why? Because the storehouse, as it says, in Malachi chapter 3.10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. In other words, so that my house will be taken care of. And so what is tithes? 
Tithes is what we use to take care of the operation of his local church. The lights, the electricity, the heat that feels good, the air conditioning that feels good, the expenses, and in our modern world, insurance, and whatever else is necessary means, just like they had plumbing and they had lamps and they had things in the tabernacle and the temple that they had to take care of the means with and they also fed the priests with. So we in the New Testament have the same concept and it works beautifully. I love it. I absolutely love it. Just think, for thousands of years now, God's holy temple, the local church, has been taken care of with the most simple, simple of concepts. God doesn't, God doesn't have an agency that garnishes your wages. God doesn't have an IRS that demands your employer to only give you part of your paycheck while it automatically takes out the rest. God doesn't do that. God expects us as believers to do it on our own. Our nation used to do it that way too, but that's another story. God expects us to just be honest and to do what he's given us to do. It's a wonderful thing. And look with me in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. Paul says, do you know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? So Paul's using the Old Testament as an example. He says, do you understand that they which minister of the Old Testament temple, which was still standing when he wrote this, and then, and they which wait at the altar, partakers with the altar. And then verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 9, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Do you see what Paul's saying there? He's saying now in the New Testament, those of us who preach the, the gospel, which was New Testament, those of us who are preaching in the local church, we live of the gospel. In other words, just as God set the example in the Old Testament, now God's given us an opportunity in the New Testament to do the same thing. And it works beautifully as long as everyone is honest and right with the Lord. <clears throat> now, I know, I know there are preachers that have abused this. I know there are pastors who've abused this. And I know there are people who have ignored this and abused this as well. I know there are people probably even some in this building today, you don't tithe. I know there are people that don't do what God's word says to do. I know there are people who abuse and pastors who have abused. But listen to me, just because someone does it wrong doesn't make the concept wrong. See, I know there are people who have done marriage very wrong. That doesn't mean marriage is wrong. I believe in marriage. I believe in weddings. And just because someone did it wrong doesn't give me the excuse to no longer do marriages or weddings or to, or to preach or think that it's a good thing. It's still a good thing. You're using an excuse that won't work with God. It might work with you, but it won't work with God if you want to use someone else. That, somebody, I had a bad experience. So, God's still God. And his concept is still simplistic and easy to follow. Now, here's the danger. What if we don't? What if we don't do this? Well, Malachi chapter 3 of verse 8 and 9, right before verse 10 where we read, Malachi 3 verse 8 and 9 says, will a man rob God? Well, that's, a, that's quite a question. Will a man rob God? I, I wouldn't even try, would you? Although I think people do it all the time. Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Huh, I wonder how come the nation had problems. I wonder how come, did you notice when it goes on to say past verse 10, it says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I wonder if the economy is tied to God's blessing. Oh, I think so. I wonder if your personal economy is tied to God's blessing. Oh, I think so. 
I found it interesting that people who want to argue with me about this subject do not live a life I want to follow. If you rob God, don't be surprised if it don't work out very well. If you rob God, don't be surprised if that's why you're scraping the bottom of the barrel all the time. There's nothing wrong with scraping the bottom of the barrel once in a while. It keeps you humble. But if it's constantly happening and there is no blessing, something's wrong. I don't want to be a God robber. Now, I don't live in constant fear and trembling. I don't. But I do fear God. And I fear God because I want to be blessed. I want to be right with him. And I don't want to be accused of robbing him in any way. And I need to stop and say this. In case you're here today and maybe you don't normally come to this church, we rarely preach on this subject. Because there are faithful people who are tithers. And there are faithful people to this church, and that is a huge blessing. But it's wrong of me to never preach on a certain subject in the Bible. Every Bible subject needs to be preached on. And so I don't want to just dwell on what if we don't. I want to dwell on what if we do. Again, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. It goes on to say in 11 and 12, it goes on to say, and I will rebuke the devourer. Anybody here ever make a lot only to find out that it got eaten as fast as you were making it? The devourer came. Praise God. His way is best. You're not looking at a rich man, but I feel like a rich man. My truck's 20 years old, 324,000 miles. I love that thing. I love it. I hit a deer. No, a deer hit me last year. The insurance company said, we'll buy it back. We'll total it and buy it back. I said, I want to buy it from you. I don't want you to have this truck. I like this truck. I don't want a new one. I don't need a new one. That truck gets me from point A to point B just like your fancy new one. I don't need one. I'm not saying you don't need one. I'm saying I don't need one. I don't need it. God's taking care of me in a way. I don't need material wealth or something. I, and you know, here's what I've discovered. I know this because I'm a human being. No matter what I have, no matter if it's the latest and greatest, the biggest and the baddest, and I mean the most expensive, I'll always be looking around and see who's got what. It's something about our human nature. We're never satisfied. There's always the latest and greatest. And it's amazing how we can be that way. Man, I'm telling you, I'll tell you what real living is. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And to be content and to know that God will take care of the details, that God will meet my needs. See, funny thing was about that last year, the deer hit me. The insurance company decided it was a total loss. But all it was was the bumper, the fenders got shifted a little bit, the hood got a little bit. But I took it down, I took it down to the mechanic where my son works. He said, oh, yeah, I can straighten out the fenders, I can order a new bumper. And I think he spent $600 on it. They gave me three or $4,000. I bought new tires for the truck. I'm looking for the deer this year. You know who's in charge of the deer? My God. My God's in charge of the deer. My God gave me a blessing. That's how God is. I, I don't need to have a lot of numbers in a bank account to be rich. There's promise of blessing when you obey God. There are rich people who have way more numbers in their account than I do. But the devourer just keeps devouring. Praise God from whom all blessings flow and what he does for you and I when we follow him. And the best part is, is that when his child is simply obeying and being blessed, 
the world says, man, it's not like he has anything great. Why is he happier than I am? It's not like, it's not like they have everything going just, but why are they? Because there's a secret. We worship God. And one of the ways we worship God is with that metal plate that we pass around on Sunday. It's part of our worship. It's part of our worship. It's our way to physically, materially give him something. The Bible says that Christ was rich and yet for your sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. And so as believers, we're like, we can never repay him for what he's done. But just as a way of expression, we bring in that one potato and we say, we're honoring God with it. And on top of that, his house is taken care of. And then the house continues for generations to come. Not only is just the bills and the lights and all that taken care of, but then the other things that we budget it for every year, we budget a huge, a huge budget is local outreach. It's just huge. What is local outreach? All the literature we buy to give to people and to teach people with, all everything that we, 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 we just have all kinds of lo- local outreach. I mean, you could just about everything because that's really what we're all about is local outreach and then long distance outreach. Part of local outreach, we, we do this, we've been doing this every year. We spend money on an easy up tent. It's falling apart, we probably should get a new one. It's a pop-up tent. We, we, we spend money on a pop-up tent. We bought a gorilla suit one year. One year we bought DVDs, creation versus evolution. DVDs, dollar a piece. Bottom, I mean, bought thousands of them. We bought tables that we can fold up, set up. We bought, we bought a, a TV and a DVD player to show the DVD while we're handing out stuff. We just bought all that stuff. And that was part of our local outreach through the tithes that the Lord's people had given. We did that. And we had a booth. We bought, we paid the city of Custer, Custer Cruising, $800, something like that, to set up our booth. Then, get this, the state of South Dakota comes along and says, hey, there's a use tax. You're giving out. I said, we're, we're giving free literature. Ah, still got to pay a tax on it. So every year we pay $150 or whatever it is for our use tax for everything that we order out of state. And we, you say, that's crazy. Yeah, you know what though? It's worth it because we're giving out the gospel to people. It's part of the local outreach of what we're doing. And cooperatively, by putting our potato in the offering plate, there's money left over to do that with on top of the bills and everything else. And right now, there's a lady at home dying on her way to heaven who got reached at that booth. She heard about Jesus at that booth because of this metal offering plate here. And a few weeks when her funeral happens, I will tell you the same story over again. But if you do like some people, I don't believe in a local church, then there's no local booth downtown. And there's no local property where people assemble. And there's no anchor club on Wednesday night. And there's no any of this and any of that. And there's nobody up here singing gratitude, attitude, gratitude. Why? Because somebody said, I don't think I want to do it that way. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It's the way God set it up. He has a storehouse. He always has had a storehouse. In fact, some people have invented a different kind of a storehouse. But I believe God's local church is the awesomest storehouse in the world. It's the simplest one. It's the one that gets his job done correctly, biblically. Sometimes in the other storehouse, people will go down there and say, I need food because I don't have any food. I need this because I don't have any this. And They'll give them furniture and they'll give them food and they'll give them clothes and they'll feel warm and fuzzy because they did that. And I'm not begrudging that except that I know the reason why they don't have money for food because they have Budweiser and Camel at home. But your local church says, hey, we want to give you something. We want to help you. But you know, We want to help you in other ways too because otherwise we're really just enabling you. 
if we provide for you the free stuff that you really need so that you can buy the stuff you shouldn't even use. See, God's local storehouse is the best kind. It's the best kind. It's the right kind. Now, when should we bring it? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's look at this one together. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So here we see the uh, concept of percentage here in the New Testament and a local church setting with the churches of Galatia, so the church in Corinth. On the what day of the week? The first fruits of all our increase, that we would seek first the kingdom of God. And on the first day of the week, if you look at a calendar, today is not the weekend. Today is the first day of a new week. And we meet on the first day of the week and we bring our first fruits and we give them in the offering. That's what I did today. My wife and I, we put our first fruits, the first 10% of whatever our income was. And there are some weeks, it's not even a potato. It might even be a half a potato. However you get paid or however your income comes in, whatever it is. You know what I love though? And I mean this with all my heart. I mean this. You can test me on this if you want to. I love God's plan because it's so fair and it's so simple. Let's say the complete collective added together gross income of our entire church body was $1,000 for the month. And so what would be the gross collective entire amount of tithe on that 1000 for the month? One hundred. And if I knew that that was the gross collective gross income of everybody in our church was 1000 and the offering was 100 you know what I'd say? Woo, that's exciting. Why? Because everybody obeyed God. Woo, you're going to say, but how in the world are you going to get things done with 100 bucks? I don't know, but I know God will take care of that part. That part's easy. That part's easy. When we do what we're supposed to do, it frees him up to do what he wants to do. Have you ever read those miracles in the Bible? You just do what you're supposed to. What's he going to do with my potato? I have no idea, but if you'll just give it to him, I promise you, he'll take care of it. And he'll do more with it than you ever could. That's the thing about it. Look, I can do way more and get by with way more on the nine than I can if I keep the ten. I know that. Other people have proven that to me. But upon the first day of the week, they laid up in store as God had prospered them. Now, there are some awesome stories in our own nation. I'll just read you one. There are many stories. I'll read you one. There was a man named William, young man at first, of course, 16 years old. This young man, William, left his home to seek his fortune. All his possessions were tied in a bundle and carried in his one hand. He met an old canal boat captain. William told him, that his father was too poor to keep him at home. And so the only thing he knew how to do was go out on his own. The only trade he had was to make soap and to make candles. The old man kneeled down with that 16-year-old boy and prayed with him. He said, someone will soon be the number one soap maker in New York City. Why don't it be you? Why don't it be you? Might as well be you as someone else. And so be a good man. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Pay what belongs to God and make an honest soap. So into the city that young man went with that old man's words ringing in his ears. And it began to unite with a local church and become a part of that church and then to work making soap. He would give the first tenth of whatever his income was. It might have just been less than a dollar, a dollar, 50 cents, whatever it was, but he would just practice giving a tenth. Ten cents out of every dollar. And God blessed him. 
After a while, he had a partner, and they worked together, and after a while, he bought his partner out and owned the company all together by himself. Years went by, and he would make sure he instructed his bookkeeper, now everything that comes in, you make sure that 10% goes to God. To the point where he would say to the bookkeeper, you know, I'm doing so well, let's make it 20, then 30, then 40. Finally, he said, you know what, I've got so much in the bank, and I don't need any more else, anything else. So everything that my company makes, just write it all to the church. His last name is Colgate. You might have brushed with his product this morning. William Colgate. That's just one story. There are others. Quaker Oats, Kentucky Fried Chicken. These people were Christians who practiced this. Now, I hesitate to tell you those stories because I don't want you to do it for that reason. Don't want you to do it because you think it's kind of like a lottery where you stick it in a quarter and pull a handle and you're going to get a bunch. But God used them. And so when, first day of the week, and let me add this to when, as a young man, as soon as I understood it, I started doing it. I get an allowance. I made sure at least 10% of it went in the offering plate. When I got to be a little older, I had a job, and I'd mow lawns, or I'd do this or that, and I start, and I make sure that 10% went in the offering plate. But I've got to say something before we stop. Please hold, hold, bear with me for just a minute longer or two. Malachi said tithes and offerings. Tithing is the 10%. But offering is different than tithe. I might have just blown you away by saying that, but offering is different than tithe. Offering, you okay, Madison? Offering is not this. Offering's from the other nine. Tithing is what he expects. Offering is free will. You read Ezra, it was to be a free will offering. Not, not only the tithe what was, was expected, but then the offering is above and beyond that. You say, oh, Pastor, you got to be kidding me. No. After the 10% as a teenager, I said, you know what? I'm just going to make it 20%. I heard William Colgate's story when I was a kid. I heard R.G. Letourneau's story when I was a kid. I heard about the, I said, I don't know if I'll ever get to 100, but I'm going to give 20. And you know what? When you're 16 and your income is 100 a month, 20 doesn't feel so hard. It's harder when you get older. And so I just started. So when we got married, you can ask my wife. I told her, I said, this is my habit. We're just going to keep doing it. Now, I also realized God doesn't want me to just do it out of habit. So I was careful that I didn't just do it by road or out of habit. But I'll tell you this. This week, we gave our our tithe. And once a month, we will give a missions offering, which is enough to pay a car payment. And we give a missions offering on top of our tithe every, every month. And we do that so that there are 40 plus missionaries that we can support so that we can hear as we heard the report from uh, the, the islands and then last week we heard from Mexico and how that they, they, they have a need for property and they have a need for a building and if we decide we want to give to it, that's an offering and if we decide we want to help with something local or long distance see, offering, offering doesn't have to go to the local church a lot of times it goes through the local church. And by the way, anytime there's any offering given to us for a missionary, 100% of it goes to the missionary. We don't have like a middleman or skim off the top. No, that's what the tithes do. The tithes take care of all that. The offering is extra. But tithing, that goes to the local church. Offering, that's extra. And so extra is anything that you do for, on the, for, for the cause of Christ. For instance, locally speaking, I mentioned how that there was a gorilla suit that we bought, but somebody had to be willing to wear the thing in the middle of August and walk around and give, and give out DVDs. That's an offering of their time. Somebody had to be willing to go down to the booth and man the booth. That's an offering of their time. Somebody had to be willing to change the oil in the van last week so that we could drive the van this week. That was an offering of their time. There's lots of ways that we offer, and it's not just our money necessarily. Time is money a lot of times. 
But see, tithes and offerings go together, and here's how it works. You know what the set amount is. That's 10%. Offering, that's what the Holy Spirit speaks to you to do individually. One time there was someone in our church that needed teeth. They needed teeth. We took up an offering for that. That was a blessing to that individual and to everyone who gave. Sometimes there are people who have other needs and we find out about it and we take up an offering. That's extra. We hear about the missions and the needs that they have. That's extra. Pretty soon we're going to hear from India and how that they have needs. That's extra and we do that. And I'm amazed that even after the 10, if I give an offering once in a while and there's even more on the plate, I'm amazed how when I obey God, there's still enough for me. I'm also amazed how it all rots and goes away when I don't do it his way. Now quickly, I'm out of time, but 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm just gonna finish in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5 says, concerning the Macedonian church, this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. The real secret to all this is to just give yourselves to God. To recognize that you are a steward. You are not doing God any favors. You are working for him. And you are a steward of everything he's given you. Chapter 9, verse 7 says, Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Offering, on top of tithe, is when you say, Anchor Club, I think I'll come in and help with that. Nobody gets paid to do Anchor Club. We don't even have to do Anchor Club. But offering says, I'm going to offer my time and do that. Offering says, I'm going to make a meal for Anchor Club. I'm going to, I'm going to buy the meal. I'm going to make it. I'm going to put together. I'm going to sit with this kid. This kid's sneezing and blowing their nose on me. But I'm going to offer my time anyway. And those who give and those who do those things, when the children are up here singing, they're not like going, all right, that's just kind of. Can't wait for the preaching to get started because I'm. T- no, they're excited. Why? Because this is the investment that they made. Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and I, don't, I don't look at financial records. I don't say, Hey, uh, treasurer, I want you to tell me uh, about uh, Jeff Pryor. I want to see how much he's been giving lately. I don't have to look at Jeff Pryor's giving records. You know why? Because where his treasure is, there will his heart be also. You can see where their treasure is because that's where their heart is. You can tell where a person invests in because that's where their, their heart is there. Jesus is our example of giving. And oh, by the way, verse 6 it says, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I was blessed yesterday. Yesterday I saw young people stand up and quote verses from memory and answer questions. That's my reward. He said, what do you get out of this? My bills get paid, but my reward is watching these young people love God, want to serve him, want to do right, be a good testimony. That's the exciting part. Watching these kids singing today, that's the exciting part. Have an opportunity to, to, to have a part in their life, that's the exciting part. Man, that's what it's all about. I love it. I love the investment in this heavenly world, laying up treasure in heaven and not on the earth. I feel sorry for you if you're not a giver. The Bible says, give and it shall be given you. You reap what you sow. I feel sorry for you if you're not. I really do. I didn't preach this message today because offerings are down. 
I didn't preach this message today because we're really we're really looking scary in the finances. Didn't preach that, and no, not at all. God doesn't need one dime of our money. If He wants to, He can make a bunch of His own. He owns the gold. He owns everything. No, I preach this message today because God told me to, and I preach this message today because I feel like there's probably somebody in here that needs to be challenged to do what they should do for your sake. Not for the ministry's sake, for your sake to obey God in this area. This is just one of the four T's. But what kind of a steward are you with what he's given you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for opportunity to to even understand the gift you gave on the cross. Lord, how can we even begrudge anything when you gave everything on the cross? And by your gift and example, we, we're not demanded to die on a cross for you. But, but out of love, not, not force, out of love, we can give back. We can pay it forward. And just like you loved me and gave yourself for me, I have opportunity to love someone else and give myself for them. Lord, help us to see how this works and how beautiful it is, how, how easy and simple it is. And help us to be challenged in, in the way we give, the way we handle our finances, that no matter what, first place goes to you. It's not just our money, it's everything, but first place goes to you. May it be so for each one of us. Lord, you know my heart. My goal is not to see more money brought in, but to see more participation. A 100% participation that we all are collectively obeying you. I know you'll bless each individual who does that. Help us to do that, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.